Hello, everyone. It's your friend Tristan Miller. I'm just here to inform you that I'm recording my first stand-up comedy album and special on May the 4th in New York City at Caveat at 4 p.m. You can go to the link in my bio on my social media platforms, or you can go to caveat.com, go to May the 4th, and buy tickets there. Highly recommend that you get them early as they are cheaper that way. Also, after the show, I'm going to go, Phantom Menace is playing in theaters. So I'm going to take a big group to go to the nearest AMC or whatever Cineplex and go see my favorite Star Wars movie. I'll say it. I'll say it with my full chest. My favorite Star Wars movie in theaters again. So hope to see you at both things. If you have to pick one, just pick my my show, please. Um, I do. Uh, uh, would, I would like to sell out the house if possible. Anyway, um, love you. I uh, hope to see you soon. Okay, bye bye. This podcast is brought to you by Substack. Go to Substack.tristanjmiller.com for early access to this podcast as well as film reviews from me, Tristan Miller. Our feature presentation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Focus Testing, a podcast about movies where we make a movie. My name is Tristan Miller, and joining me today is a very funny stand-up comedian, Gabe Pacheco. How are you, Gabe? Uh, so happy to be here, Tristan. Thank you for inviting me to do this podcast. I am both an Imagineer and a cinephile, <laughs> so you're you're giving me an opportunity to sin cinephile a near. Um, <laughs> A narrative with you. Yes, to to synergize your cinephilia and your <laughs> and your imagineer. Um so <laughs> my first question that I always ask people is do you remember what movie do you remember first going to go see in the cinema? What movie? My father took me to the Uptown Theater in Washington DC, which is this classic old Art Deco theater uh, at the border of Woodley Park in Cleveland Park. Um, and it is, uh, it is, they're trying to historically preserve it right now, but he took me to see The Last Emperor, mm. which is a film about the final emperor of, uh, China mm -hmm. before, I believe, World War II, right? Yeah. So it is his life at the beginning of World War One, and there's a dowager empress or queen who's sitting on a throne and then she she's like chewing opium, I think, at the beginning Sweet. of it. And then the and then like uh, five minutes into the film, the guy is in a prison camp, and he's uh, slicing his wrists open in a in a the sink in the prison. And I was not traumatized by any of this. I was probably like eight, seven or eight, and mm -hmm. my dad took me to see this in the theater. And then afterwards, uh, we had Chinese food for dinner. So it was like, <laughs> oh boy, it was like a cultural experience. You know, uh, all the senses yeah. were were electrified, and um, <laughs> to integrate all of these these things, and it, it, I think it informed some of my like love of history, and mm -hmm. also it, it left me asking more questions than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, like what happened to kings? What happened to the emperors? Mm -hmm. What? What? Oh, this guy was. Um, became a puppet for the Japanese uh, regime, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the uh, Axis invaded China at this point. And so um, 
that was part of the storyline. He he was he had a British uh, tutor. Peter O'Toole was his tutor, oh, I think, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So I was like, why is this British white man like uh, like teaching this Chinese emperor things? So you know, my dad's like, "Miho, colonialism, it's a bitch." You know, and uh... <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, that does yeah. make sense. Yeah, um, that's I think um, a very interesting first movie to remember. <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's tied to you know one of the first outings that I had with my dad too, like Solo. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, w- my family's all together, but mm-hmm. it's kind of cool when you've got these uh, team up. Like random superhero (laughs) team ups. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you go on your first adventure with your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister without the whole like Mm -hmm. uh, organism that is the family unit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My, for me and my dad, it was always rummage sailing. Like that was the, we'd go and pick around someone else's crap for a couple hours. (laughs) Yeah, that's great too. Yeah. You know, and then you get to come up with backstories. For all of these, uh, like the detritus of someone else's life. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing more sad than an estate sale because it's someone who's died. And they're like, do you want any of this we can't bear to part with? <laughs> like, there's always an uncomfortable thing. But you said you were a cinephile at the beginning of this. What movies do you enjoy the most? I mean, I, I love uh, sci-fi, so I'm just thinking back to like childhood again, mm-hmm. living living in the basement, uh, a person under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love people under the stairs. <laughs> um, I also love. Uh, I was a kind of a latchkey kid growing up, and the blockbuster was um, five blocks away. Mm-hmm. The Uptown Theater was about five blocks away. They were across the street from one another. So I would go see movies by myself, and I would go rent movies by myself, and no one asked me about ratings at this hmm. point. Like this is like the mid late late eighties. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just remember seeing things like Blade Runner. My first horror movie was Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. So I didn't even see Part One. I saw Part Two, which <laughs> is like the transgressively uh, queer. Mm-hmm. Friday the or Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. That's what I said, right? Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, so it's yes. like Freddy. So it's like Freddy with a bondage fetish gym <laughs> teachers, and it was insane. So that's my that was my first, uh, you know, Friday Nightmare on Elm Street. Like I said, Blade Runner. We owned Godfather, and uh, I would watch that. I feel like every year mm-hmm. as like a fam- family movie. We would watch <laughs> Godfather. I had Apocalypse Now. Uh huh. Um, so, so, and it was interesting hanging out with other kids and them telling me that they weren't allowed to watch certain things mm-hmm. or, you know, they didn't, they, they just weren't up on like grown up movies. And I thought that that was uh borderline, like you're handicapping your child <laughs> by not <laughs> sure. exposing them to like cool cinema. Yeah. To art. Un film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To to grown to grown folks yeah. art. <laughs> grown folks art. Um do you still go to the movies by yourself now? Oh wow. And do you prefer That's... it over a group? I love uh watching movies by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't go with a group ever anymore. And one of the problems is making plans with people. Like if I was like, Hey Tristan, let's go uh to to go see this like Invisible Man, let's mm-hmm. say, at uh at eight eight o'clock tonight, and I buy the tickets. Mm-hmm. You're going to be running late. 
No, I got to wait for you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, go, going to movies with friends is like, uh, after a certain age, you know, I don't go to birthday brunches. I don't go to birthday dinners. Sure. Because I don't want to be at a table with 15 people splitting a bill. The same thing with films. It's like, maybe if we're tight, like yeah. you and I have already met ahead of time, mm-hmm. we've pre-gamed, and then we go we go to that movie together. Mm-hmm. That works. I'm with you. I, I was thinking, like the only times I can really remember going to go see a, a film with a friend or like my then girlfriend was when we were living together. It's far. You're absolutely correct. Of like, meet me at such and such a time and place is such a weirdly big ask for specifically. I feel like New York adults. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. You're, uh, and then uh, going in a big group, especially if it's a movie that's popular, you're going to suffer from, well, can we all sit together? Oh, yeah. We all have to sit in the same row. And I absolutely don't. Dude, even if I'm on a date, I don't need to sit next to you. Like, if there's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's no if reason. One empty seat over here and one empty seat at the other end of the theater. Uh, it's better that we both get solo seats that mm-hmm. are better seats than sit together. And both uh, make a miserable compromise. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, I think that's a good philosophy for life, Gabe. <laughs> to be honest, damn, that's some some truth. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I also feel like the only well, like, why do you need to sit next to each other? In as much as like, it's not like you're gonna make out during the movie, right? Like those yeah, days are behind us. <laughs> I'm grown and sexy, man. I don't need. Yeah. I don't need to go uh, make, make out in a in a dirty seat with like popcorn kernels crunching under our feet as our toes curl while we make out. Yeah, absolutely. No reason for that whatsoever. Um, yes. Okay, so I have a qu- couple of like fun movie trivia ish questions for you. And the first one, I always like to know to kind of as a litmus test to see where we're at, which is what is movie what is movie yeah man okay well a good one it is something that you think about uh the next day Mm. and so you don't even have to like it while you're watching it yeah you just have to think about it later i i really like that as well um because there's a bunch of like my top three films i've only probably seen once because they're just embedded in my memory every frame of it because i'm like this is the greatest film i've ever seen in my life so yeah and i like a film where also i am in love with the backstory of the characters Mm. that i am that i imagine i don't even have to know their real backstory Mm -hmm. it is that they you're transported to a place where they feel so real that you can imagine them in other scenarios Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. um you and this is this was like kind of the best part of the first Star Wars movies, but then also uh, they killed the frog, dissecting it by trying to uh, show us everything that happened before and everything with like yeah. prequels and and sequels. Just um, yeah, so. But I think that I think the first Star Wars did a great job, but then so did a movie like The Professional, where I don't ever need to see the prequel of how um, (laughs) Gary Oldman's gang of like 
of corrupt cops came together. Yeah, yeah. But I totally can envision mm-hmm. all of those corrupt cops in their own little side quests, mm-hmm. you know, having fun, like almost like each of them is the bad lieutenant. Uh, Harvey in Harvey Keitel's like bad lieutenant. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. You know, yeah. I I agree about the Star Wars thing. That is one of the drawbacks to those later films. But I'm of an age where I grew up with them, and they're perfect to me. But um... <laughs> and 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with them. It is, uh, it's more the idea yeah. of God, or it's like what made the first Halloween so amazing mm-hmm. is that we didn't know anything about Michael Myers, and you can. You can read in yep. to like uh, how insane he got in the institution over all of the years that he was in captivity before he gets released in Haddonfield again. For sure. But I do very much agree of like that to me, that first Star Wars film is the best one because of that reason, because you're just kind of thrown into it. You don't really know what's going on. Even. Even now, knowing as much as I do about that world. I still watch that first one. I'm like, what is this? What is any of this? It's just still has that thing. Um, so my second question for you is what director should make the next Marvel movie? Do you think? Oh man. Who do you want to see? <laughs> uh, the next, I want to see, I don't know if Guillermo del Toro has <sighs> been making Marvel movies. Not yet. Uh, but I loved I love I love the strain, which is not a movie, but the TV show. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, excellent uh, special effects. It's also dark and gloomy, uh, but and yet still colorful. Uh, and so I think he's got a really good grasp and he did Hellboy. Um, but I think he's got a great grasp on both special effects and uh, giving characters depth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sure. And and uh, raising the stakes, and he's and he's okay with death. Yeah. So I mean, which is antithetical to like the Marvel, I think, um, factory mm-hmm. because you can't have incredibly high stakes in movies if you know that those characters need to come back. Yeah. For like a sequel. And so okay, oh oh oh. oh. So can I add yeah. on to this real quick? For sure. My my favorite um, comic books back in the day were uh, Marvel's What If comic books. Oh, sure. And so in those, what was really cool about them was that they gave an alternate ending to like, what if, so one of them was like, what if Dracula became, what if Wolverine became Lord of the Vampires? (sighs) And so it's a spinoff of one time when like the 70s X-Men fought Dracula in Central Park. (laughs) So this like happened in one one issue. And so what what if comics would do is it would take an issue of a storyline and say, well, what if the whole universe changed at that moment? So in this comic book, Dracula ends up defeating all the X-Men and then um, turning them into vampires. And when when Wolverine wakes up, he's like, maybe it's his healing power or like his mm-hmm. tough mental fortitude. Like he, he can't be... Um, like hypnotized mm-hmm. by Dracula. So he's like, nah, son. And like cuts off, <laughs> cuts off Dracula's head and becomes the Lord. Ugh. But, uh, within this, uh, within the what if universe, you, the stakes could be crazy high mm-hmm. because you knew that it didn't happen on canonical Marvel earth one. Yeah. So like any character could die at any time. Mm-hmm. That I, I very much agree 
with the stakes situation, 100%. That was also a problem I had with, you know, like the Obi-Wan show. It's like, well, we all know he's going <laughs> to, we know when he dies. Like, there's no, we know, yeah. we know when Leia dies too. Like, there's no real. Yeah. How's he going to get out of this pickle? <sighs> yeah, exactly. It felt kind of like a sitcom in a way. Um, but that leads into my next question, which is. What Star Wars character do you want them to never make a Disney Plus series about? If you saw it, you'd pull out your hair and just go, why, why? Lobot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For those of the listeners that don't know who Lobot is, you want to lay it on? Yeah, man. He's the bald guy that looks like he's wearing Beats by Dre headphones. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And walks behind Lando Calrissian uh, the whole time in um, Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. in the Cloud City. You don't want to see how he got those beats? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what is the backstory oh with God. Lobot? <laughs> yeah. How did this glorified secretary end up as Lando's secretary? Oh, my gosh. That's a very good, very good answer. Um, all right. So, which actor... Do you want to spit in your mouth? Oh, maybe maybe the alien from Aliens. Oh, see, that's a great answer. And it also answers another question that I have, which is which movie monster do you want to fuck? And Oh, man, you got me. Yeah, there you go. Amazing. Great, great answers all around. I've never seen a lady predator, but, you know, we'd have very strong fit children i think yeah i think so too i think and i like i like fishing so i'm kind of a hunter <laughs> i can get down i can get down with their culture for sure yeah you'll learn the ways you'll try to <laughs> do your best to like understand you'll learn that clicking language you know for, for at yeah. least conversationally for when she brings you home to the parents I always wanted to learn the 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 predator uh, hieroglyphic mm. like script that they use when they're uh, setting the atomic bombs that they wear on their wrists. Can I tell you? I have only seen one predator film. Can you guess which one it is? I think you probably saw Predator versus Aliens Requiem. I did not. I've seen Prey, and that is it. <laughs> oh man, which is by far, I think the best. Um, shoehorning of a predator into a very (laughs) sweet film a slice of life film about comanche lifestyle yeah and then here comes this guy (laughs) what i did love about that film more than anything is how shitty they made the frenchmen oh i loved that yeah because growing up at least like being i'm from like the south dakota area there was this sort of like Oh well, the the French settlers got along with the Native Americans better than the English people did, and so there's like this reputation of them being like nice to the natives, and I was like, that's not true, at all. Oh, totally not. Uh, also, uh, so I uh, have family in um, Wyoming, mm-hmm. and right now uh, a little bit outside of Jackson in uh, the Teton Range. So like the Teton Mountains are basically uh, that just means like the big titties, mm-hmm. and because of these like horny French beaver trappers <laughs> uh, entered the Jackson Hole Valley and they saw these ma- this mountain range that uh-huh. was like you know majestic and they're like oh grand teton <laughs> and that's 
and we just put it on t-shirts and we're like yeah teton mountains uh i think i think it's a it, it must be a shoshone word i think it's a native word from uh, uh i think the the natives at the wind river tribe they probably named that the the grand tetons uh, right it's a, is it named after one of their spirit spirit gods like a wendigo or uh no it's just it's, horny french dudes being like look Look at those nipple peaks. Yeah, look at those nipple peaks in Jackson Hole. <laughs> oh my god. Uh just t- how embarrassing to be colonized by the French, I feel like. <laughs> and the British if we're going to be honest, like these specky motherfuckers. Ugh. Um in any event, what's your favorite cinema snack? What's your favorite snack at the movies? Dude, uh, well, mm, mm-hmm. in high school we would we would do the second run movies all the time in high school, and we would uh, we would smuggle in the forties. So I okay. don't know if you if you're gonna count a liquid a liquid <laughs> sure, beverage not? Yeah. as a snack. <laughs> But uh, when it when it comes to food, dude, I'm 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 trad. This is one of the few areas I'm pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. I'm a big popcorn guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Do you get the butter on it or no? Oh yeah, man. You're I've soaked? never worried about massive coronary coronaries <laughs> or anything. I a full saucer of butter. Full. I'll ask for an extra cup, <laughs> and I'll bring my own butter and I'll like layer it. Ugh. So as I get deeper into the corn, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pour more butter in Smart, there. smart, smart. Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, I used to work at a couple of movie theaters in my in my time, and I got to tell you, having that much, much access to free popcorn is deadly. Like, it's mm-hmm. very nice, but it's also like, none of this is getting processed by me. Why, why am I doing this to myself every day? So I have a question for you. Yeah. All right, let's turn. Ah, clever mm. girl. So uh, <laughs> uh, the tables have turned, my man. Uh-huh. What is your favorite uh, scene of a movie theater in a movie? Ooh. Um, let's get meta. Favorite scene of a movie theater in a movie. Um, the first one that comes to mind is, is Taxi Driver, but I don't <gasps> think that's my favorite. The second one that comes to mind is unfortunately from Mad Men, which is not a movie. It is, in fact, a television show. But when he takes his kid to the movies that one time, the one time, much like the thing you described, you know, a father son <laughs> outing, you know, it's first time. Um, the, but if for Don, it's like the one time he pays attention to his kid. I can't speak to you and your father's relationship. Um, but <laughs> I want to say everything, every, there's that movie. That Scorsese film, um, Hugo. Yes. All of the scenes with the movies and that I love. For a while, this is going to maybe drive some people nuts. That was the only Scorsese film I'd ever seen. <laughs> Dude, what is going on with you? I saw... This is insane. Hugo, and I saw Shutter Island. Yeah, you watch like C-Team yeah. Deep Cuts. <laughs> For sure. Those are my first two, and I do not know how that happened. It took You're me- like, I, I've only heard the Rolling Stones, the 1994 <laughs> Rolling Stones album. That's correct. <laughs> um, what about you? What about your favorite cinema uh, scene? Well, uh, uh, a few of them were flashing before my, my mind's eye. Uh, recently, The Blob. Mm. So the, uh, mm-hmm. 19, I think it's like ni- late 1980s remake of The Blob. And the thing gets into the movie theater, and it's on the wall, on the ceiling, 
and it drops down and it starts just straight up snacking on children <laughs> in the middle of this movie. <laughs> and it is a, a reason for this film to be rated R. Uh, but I also, being as a child, I le- I loved watching kids get um, killed in uh, horror movies. <laughs> okay, interesting. Go on. And not well because uh, why I say that is not that I enjoy. It showed that there were real stakes. Sure. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in a lot of like Spielbergian cinema, outside of Jaws. So it, in fact, one reason I think Jaws is such a good film uh, is that th- there's like a little boy who gets eaten in it. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, in most uh, horror films, they the the little kid, especially ones that are like marketed to children, mm-hmm. they get away, and yeah. that uh, kind of like uh, is like a it's a safety valve from like it being a true horror film. It's a cheat. It's a cop out. Yeah, for sure. Like as scary as Jurassic Park is, that specifically the first time you see it, you know those kids are going to be fine by the end of the movie. Yeah, that's whack, son. Like, they're the ones that should be eaten first by the dinosaurs. Because it makes the most sense. Well, I mean, it's fun that the lawyer goes first because, you know, fuck lawyers, I guess. But, like, but for sure. Wolves, when they're chasing a pack of buffalo, they eat the the babies and they eat the old ones first, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so why wouldn't a velociraptor be the same? I, I agree. I agree. I'm with you. I would lamb and mutton. Lamb and mutton. Lamb and mutton. Are you ready for our word to <laughs> improvise a film off of? <laughs> Very yeah. bleak what you just suggested, but I do agree. Like by laws of nature, in that first Jurassic World film, like that one lady gets drowned by that pterodactyl or whatever. Imagine if that yeah. was a kid. Like that would have like that would have been like so much better because of the thing you're like everyone would have been like oh this shit's scary like, yeah ev- now everyone nothing's off the table exactly. is kind of what what and this is why Alien Three was so great people hated Alien Three it's my favorite one mm-hmm. and it's like they start the film by like Aliens ends with Ripley and her surrogate family of uh, Hicks and Newt. And uh, and Bishop, the loving alien slash pet, and they land on the planet, and immediately within like the first two minutes, we're like, "Oh, Newt is dead." <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> the person that you spent the entire last movie trying to save, and you sacrificed all these space aliens to like, you know, have this relationship with Newt Hicks, your romantic interest also dead. Oh my god! So husband, husband and child gone, and Bishop has been is just out of the picture. Ugh. And we're going to shave your head. And we're going to shave your head. That's how you know. Yeah. And your eye is going to have like a like a bur- burst blood vessels in her eye. So <laughs> she looks totally unappealing the whole film. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly what you would what, you know, a a, a landing, a crash landing on a on a planet would be like. It For wouldn't sure. Be... Wouldn't be like. Yeah. 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 Now, I'm going to. I want to play a little game with you right now, Gabe. Based off of what yeah. you know of what I said about Scorsese and the Predator films, what <laughs> alien movies do you think I've seen? Dude, you have only seen um, Prometheus and uh, Covenant. You're almost correct. I've, I've seen that first <laughs> alien film. I've seen the first alien movie, and I've seen those two. And can I tell you, I think... I think Prometheus was the first one I saw. <laughs> Bonkers. Yeah. You're 
but and and again, I never want to be like get off my lawn. You sure, know? sure. And we we fish. Uh, what you know, your consciousness is kind of like in fi- is a fishing metaphor. It's like the moment that you dip your okay, hook David into Lynch. the stream. <laughs> David Lynch, yeah, I've, I've, I've taken his master class. Thank you. Yeah, and so you're capturing. I can't. I can't judge you for like where you start. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can say is that uh, your entry point is bonkers, <laughs> but it's as it's as crazy as my entry point being the last emperor. Yeah, yeah, you know that's very good. So. I can't. I, I all I can say is like I really hope that you find the time uh, to go back and watch the other Alien films. I've been meaning to. I'm gonna get them probably from my local library and sit down and watch <laughs> all three of them in a row. And it's crazy. It, something else funny is that for you it will be homework, <laughs> but for for like growing up in in middle school, my I had this kid who showed up in seventh grade. It was his first year. And he uh, was an all boys middle school, and he had he was a brilliant comic book artist. And what he did to ingratiate himself with a lot of the students in the class was that he recreated basically the story of Aliens, the second film, <laughs> sure, in comic book form. And but then he gave us uh, the like like the kids in the class, mm-hmm. like he made us the characters. There it is. That's so good. <sighs> so you know. What a cool that, thing to do. Yeah, and I remember sleepovers. I probably went to like four or five sleepovers, and we would just watch Aliens over and over and over again. That's that's dope. And go back to another point that I made earlier. For me, Phantom Menace. That was, that was our entry point. <laughs> so now I'll talk to, like, I used to work with, at, a, at a, a school, and so some kids were like, oh, I love Star Wars. I love Kylo Ren. And I'm like, that is your entry point. That is fascinating to me. So this just keeps happening, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It and it's happening every time. And, and you think, uh, you know, um, and I remember your generation with, uh, what is it, Phantom Menace? Mm-hmm. The Anakin yeah. as like an archetype for like mm, boys masculinity like boys becoming men mm-hmm. uh if you think of him as a metaphor for that it's again like what are we doing anakin <laughs> anakin this dude just went in and murdered he's like the school shooter <laughs> he is a school shooter like uh like um incel yeah like okay so i can't get too into this because otherwise this is going to be the rest of the podcast but anakin is a a favorite of mine because much like some people grew up with harry potter i grew up around the same he was my age pretty consistently yeah but but yeah for sure he makes some uh bad choices (laughs) famously so some knock of things happens to my man And you know what? I think the incel thing is actually pretty apt in as much as there is a like an authority figure lying to these young men saying you're only worth to society is through this one thing. But I will say this, though. He's not quite an incel because Anakin canonically does fuck at least once. He smashes. He smashes. And here's the thing. I think both of the they cast two of the hottest people in that fucking movie to play Anakin and Padme at the time. They probably yeah. fuck a lot. They smash a lot, I think. I think it's yeah. a wonder that they didn't get pregnant sooner. <laughs> yeah, he is... Um, it's interesting. I don't want to... I'm not bashing 
uh, the actor. Mm. Um, but I, I just wonder, like George Lucas, he captured something with um, with that moment, and like what makes a guy bad? Like he, like Anakin mm. is bad, as obviously we know because he turns into Darth Vader. Yeah. But how does he? Uh, what even before he's Darth Vader, when he's just like he's like a weird m'lady. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a neckbeard. Yeah. Like Reddit boy. Yeah, you know, a little bit. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's like uncomfortable, and like that's the thing. Whenever <laughs> anyone's like, "Oh, it's so those those scenes are so cringeworthy with him and Padme," I'm like, "Yeah, because this guy doesn't know how to talk to anyone." Cause, totally. Cause he's in a cult. <laughs> like this is what. Yeah, he's in the worst cult, dude. I watched that movie again, and and I was like, "Fuck these Jedi! They are space cops." Yeah, and not and they're like centrist space cops for sure. Who are like not willing to go to the extremes to actually affect change, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they're just like, "Well, we're just you know we're here, and uh, I guess the Senate's gonna handle this, and we're you know." Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, they're a bunch of, they're kind of losers. I mean, like, I love the ideals that they stand for of like, oh, yes, hope is good, connecting with this, you know, energy field, blah, 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 blah. You know, everyone coming yeah. together. But like, yeah, they're very, you, we get a snapshot at them at their worst, at their worst. Uh, did we, did, so one one thing I, I truly believe is that um, uh, Darth Maul was right. Darth Maul was right. <laughs> Darth Maul was right. In, and, in what way? Uh, okay, so uh, when there's the <laughs> battle between him and uh, Quay uh, Jin uh, with uh, Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon with Jin. Taken. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, when Qui Gon Jin and uh, your boy Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. Obi Wan, mm-hmm. they're both fighting him, and they're in that hallway, and then the power force field comes down. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'll never forget that. That was so. When I th- talk about art. The, the reason this movie is art to me mm-hmm. is that I never, ever forget the scene of Darth Maul waiting yeah. behind that force field and pacing, mm-hmm. uh, waiting for the, sh- uh, the shield to come up mm-hmm. so that he can just murk these fools. <laughs> and uh, Quay John, he's, he's just seated, lotus style. Yep. Uh, just breathing or whatever, mm-hmm. like trying to get present. And I'm like, man, I hope you, I hope you are just reflecting on the life <laughs> that you will shortly be exiting. Cause oh this dude, God. this dude is about to lift your soul out of your body. And he did. And he does. Yeah, he absolutely did. And can I tell you as a young person <laughs> seeing that guy pace back and forth, it's so scary. Oh, wow. I was like, you know, like 10 or whatever. And I was like, ah, <laughs> cause he's got those. Very and for me, eyes. it was a life lesson for me to always be ready and to not relax. <laughs> to, to like you have to be anxious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harness. Yo, know, momentum begets more momentum. You know what? That, and the that minute that you sit and you rest, uh, you're over. Because mm-hmm. moss grows on you. Even when like Obi Wan's like standing there, he's like doing like a. a <laughs> a video game like resting <laughs> idle stance he like does yeah. little hops and i'm like yeah that's it yeah that's why he he kills darth maul later because yeah. he stayed he stayed with it yeah he was he's amped he's ready to go he's chugged his red bull he's ready to take on the world <laughs> all right a word is obscure Ooh. yeah obscure a very good word i think so, 
I have a couple of places where my mind goes, but I want to defer to you as well because you are the guest. Obscure, man. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking conspiracies. Okay, cool. I'm thinking shadows. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking multiple uh, perspectives. Okay, so some sort of political theor- thriller, you think? I, I think it. I think it has to okay. be a political thriller. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Are there cover-ups? Mm-hmm. Do we have unreliable narrators? I think so. I think. Hmm. So it's a political thriller. Is it, it could also be a film noir. Why not both? I think there's a synergy there. I think so too. And I think the main synergy is blinds. Mm-hmm. A lot of blinds, a lot of peering through things, a lot of <laughs> a lot of pauses and going, hmm. Um, so this political thriller slash noir. So it's I I assume someone has um been sent to investigate some sort of corruption in a government, right? And we're Ooh. following that agent, and he's the noir style protagonist, you know, the the detective. But my main question for you is, are we going to base it off any real political thing, or are we just going to, like, make up some politics? Or are we going to be like, this is about Afghanistan, <laughs> you know? Wow. I, I like, I want Afghanistan to be the backdrop or the backstory mm-hmm. for something that's being covered up. Okay. I don't think that we have to go to an exotic setting like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that in Star Wars, the first one, Obi-Wan, is like, ah, the remember the Clone Wars? Yep. And we're all like, yeah, the Clone Wars. <laughs> it's like Afghanistan is the Clone Wars. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I like Ooh. that. I like that idea of it being like, do we want it to be like a a weird sort of period piece of like a post-9-11 America? <gasps> this also sounds Amazing. I love um, period pieces. Mm -hmm. And I also like it when the period piece is set hyper-specific, like in The Big Lebowski, how the film is supposed to take place in the, I think, late 80s, right around the Gulf War. Mm -hmm. And so this could be like, it's uh, set in like 2007. 2007. What's going on in 2007 politically that that we can latch on to? Well, in 2007, you have, uh, I think it is still the uh, end, the end-ish period of uh, George Bush's presidency. Yes, that's correct. We um, are in Afghanistan, and it is seen as a quagmire. Mm -hmm. We're also in Iraq, and there have been a couple surges, and we're wondering... Uh, we also kind of know that it was fake at the time because we haven't found the weapons of mass destruction. So there's like a cynicism, I think, where mm. we're like, what is what is real? Yeah. Which goes with this obscurity theme that we've got. I think so, too. Can we trust these? Also, the politicians all seem like businessmen. Mm-hmm. That were faking the funk, like a Rumsfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's it's uh it's coming out that like he didn't fucking know what he was talking about, or Cheney, who's like an oil man, doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Enron has collapsed. Uh 
and we're about to have the housing market collapse in 2008. <sighs> rough, rough couple of years there, eh? <laughs> so things are shaky. Things the are center, shaky. the center is not holding. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So I like that as a backdrop. I want. What should the person be investigating? That's the thing. Do we want like an investigative journalist, that sort of situation? Or is that too kind of hackneyed about this time period at this point? I kind of like it when it's a little bit of a fish out of water. Mm. And when we think of a journalist or even a a private detective, those guys are uh, known like quantities. Uh, What if it was like an insurance investigator? (laughs) Somebody who's a little bit out of like out of his league, so that when things start happening, it's like, what the fuck? Stakes. (laughs) Oh, I like that a lot. I like someone in out of. I love a movie where things go wrong. I love. (laughs) I recently saw a simple plan, and my god, what a good movie! That's a movie that I think about. Like you were talking about, like the backstories I've made up for those guys, because like I'm from Minnesota. I'm like, I know exactly what they were like. Yeah. Uh, but I like this idea. What do you think about this? Is this too bleak that a guy who's an insurance salesman or like investigator, like who who settles claims, right? That's right. Exactly. He's got to figure out like what, because uh, there are cover-ups to try to like, there's something about money. What about this? He's trying to, someone put out an, a very large insurance policy on... A number of buildings near the Twin Towers. Not them mm. themselves. And so that's suspicious. What do you think? Is that too, too conspiracy theory land? Are we drifting into like being like, does jet fuel melt steel beams? That sort of situation. Or is that okay with you? It is a a hundred percent okay with me. Okay. Because I just watched a documentary on mm-hmm. 9-11. Uh, and... In it, um, you had competing agencies. So, like the FBI, mm-hmm. when when there's a claim of like a terror happening, some sort of like cabal or network, the FBI doesn't really care about the whole web of connections. Their job is to take the dangerous people off the street mm. pretty quickly. Then the CIA, they um, operate in a little bit more of a gray area where they're thinking. Oh, uh, your, you know, Tristan is in. Tristan has been radicalized, and he's been going to these meetings. Let's co- let's um, capture him and try to flip him and make him an asset mm-hmm. to find more people. Mm-hmm. So the CIA was like kind of knew about not. <laughs> this is the like they knew more about what could happen. Sure, and they were not sharing what they knew with the FBI because they didn't want to prematurely um, get all these guys picked up. I see. So now all you need is like one bad apple mm-hmm. to um, not even a bad apple, but somebody who is uh, who's thinking, Oh, there's definitely going to be like a terror event that occurs near the twin towers because I believe some CIA agents mm-hmm. th- thought it was inevitable that the Twin Towers would be um, blown up. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know when it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And one of them interviewed in this documentary was like, yeah, man, look, if it wasn't then, it would be a bit later. So, like, mm-hmm. whatever. We missed we missed 
and the goal went through the posts. Mm-hmm. Literally hit both posts. <laughs> but if it wasn't now, it would have <laughs> it would have happened. Yeah. And and I think about things like Nancy Pelosi. All right. Hey everybody. Are you ready for my conspiracy theories? <laughs> No, this is not this is not conspiracy, but like Nancy Pelosi, um, there's a guy on TikTok who's mm-hmm. like made an app that tracks her investments. And if you literally just uh if you just invest the way that she does, you'll make a ton of money. And it's based on uh but she's also in government. So she knows ahead of time exactly what businesses are going to be affected by uh be it um like like uh healthcare policies mm-hmm. that we enact. Um, she knew ahead of time that, that there would be a shutdown, you know, with COVID. So it's like, even knowing a couple weeks ahead of time before everyone else, if you start putting money in the right things, you're going to, you're going to capitalize off of it. So, uh, she went to Taiwan recently. This is all, dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready like, for this. Isn't this also what we put away Martha Stewart for? Exactly. Insider trading. And when they bring it up to her, she's like, I'm a capitalist. You know, what are you telling? Like, are you telling politicians that they can't also invest in the market? Yes, we are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you goon. (laughs) Um, But she went to Taiwan and uh, she has all this money invested in microchip companies. Mm. And now the U.S. is like banning sales of certain microchips to, to mainland China. And they're going to be. And so it's. It's it. She's not manipulating the market, but she's capitalizing off of the governmental policies that uh, will lead to economic changes. So all you need is one spook in the CIA mm-hmm. or somebody attached to that who's like, "Hey, man, the thing to do is like put insurance in in these places because we have a tip, mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> that th- some controlled demolition might occur." Yeah, yeah. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. So it's the CIA. I think that's great. Someone in the CIA. Someone in the C- We don't know how high up it goes. Yeah, we don't. Not yet. Um, so I think our, our investigator, I love the idea that it's an insurance claim adjuster. Like, <laughs> like there's something weird going on because there are all these things. Like, I love that so much. You really did heighten the stakes so well. Mm-hmm. And maybe we don't know mm-hmm. that he has some background that he was in Afghanistan or he mm. was he he has some maybe he has some combat experience. Yeah, I like that a lot. I almost like it him being like um not a like war on terror vet, but like a desert storm. Yeah. So he's like I've been doing this for a little bit. Like I got home from my tour of duty. I became an insurance claims adjuster with the free education I received. <laughs> what I'm doing with my life. And now I have to kind of turn on my own. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. I do. F- and yeah, go on. I do feel like we could make her a lady. And I think that would be also interesting because then there's that aspect of like, well, number one, she's not getting taken seriously at the insurance place but also she can use that to her advantage during the investigation. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. She's constantly being, hmm, what would be a word, underestimated. Yeah, yeah. Especially when she's talking to people who are in the military apparatus. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Jodie Foster in um, Science of the Lambs situation. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of Homeland, so yeah, I've been thinking about Claire Danes a lot and her. She's such a great actress. She is. She really grew on me. I'd only seen her in a couple of things, but um, one of them being Stardust, which is not necessarily a good film, but Robert De Niro is there as a a, a gay space pirate, and it's fantastic. All right, so he's not playing against type at all. No, not at all. He's like. <laughs> Yeah, he's, that's just him. That's just Bobby. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I brought up Claire because mm-hmm. Claire is um, uh, uh, maybe like an updated version of um, the Jodie Foster in yes. Silence of the Lambs because she's playing a CIA operative in uh, in Homeland. Mm-hmm. You know, so this idea of kind of like um, I can see a strong woman who is underestimated as our protagonist. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think that's a, also, you know. I think that just it, that makes the whole dynamic more interesting as opposed to just like some guy, you know. Yeah. Um so does she find out who does it by the end of the film or did does she get taken out? Ooh, all great. I think um I I don't know. I like in True Detective mm-hmm. how they kind of uncover one of the main culprits, but then you realize that it goes deeper, or mm-hmm. there's some ambiguity as to what did we find? Was that the did, we followed the money, mm-hmm. but did we finally make it to where the money ended up? I see. You know, yeah. was it a was it a lone CIA guy, uh, or was it one of his relatives, or was, or was it, it a cabal of CIA, CIA guys? Yeah. yeah, I like that. Um, as like a fun little bit, I think it'd be fun to have uh, Seth MacFarlane play one of the CIA agents and can name him Stan Smith, a la American Dad. I think that'd be very fun, personally. Of course, yeah, that's happening. Yeah, that's for sure happening. I think that'd be good. I think I think her finding out almost. It's kind of like again the Science of the Lambs thing of like you get that ending where he's like, "Well, I've escaped though." Is the thing. Have you heard the term unlimited hangout? No. What is or this? Li- I'm sorry, a limited, a limited hangout. No, what is this? So a limited hangout is when uh, you, when the uh, government reveals that something bad happened, mm-hmm. but so everyone, and then they go, well, we fixed it. And so it's a hangout. It, like, like we've let out that something bad happened, mm-hmm. but we've limited uh, how much of the lie we've shown. So when you watch, um, what is it, like Star Wars, mm-hmm. the, the newer ones, Emperor Senator Palpatine lets uh, Count Dooku be be the head of the Sith for a minute. Yeah. And then once they kill him, they're like, see, okay, well, finally, we've, we've, <laughs> we've captured the rogue element <laughs> yeah. in the Jedi, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who are, who are actually the secret Sith? Yeah. So for like, if the CIA was actually a hundred percent responsible for this um, insurance fraud, but at the end of it, we capture one or two rogue bad apples, mm-hmm. then like at the end, it's like excellent. Yeah. Um, haha. I like that. Nothing <laughs> a lot. I think that's very good. I like the aha. Um, do you think we should have her her framed at the end? Uh, yeah, absolutely. She's gotta she's gotta go on the run. She's gotta go on the run, and she's just like, oh no, now I'm an enemy of the enemy of the state. I 
Yeah. Gotta go somewhere else. Uh, which to me ties into like Julian Assange today as mm. uh, an enemy of the state or like uh, Steve Donziger is another guy like that who uh, was a lawyer or I'm sorry, a journalist who um, uncovered all of this like Chevron's pollution in the um, Amazon mm-hmm. and he won the case. They won the case based on his help. But then the U.S. government put him under house arrest for uh, over a year so (laughs) what a cool thing to do so like a lot of these whistleblowers end up nothing good comes from doing the right thing so she wins second lesson you learned from darth maul (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah pretty much i I hope this isn't like the bleakest most black-pilled episode of the show you have so far yeah because no. I'm, I've been smiling the whole time. I'm having a great time. I, I am too. It's fun to make up a little story that's completely fabricated and not at all real. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> no, I like it. I like her going on the run. Do you have any actresses in mind besides Claire Danes? Do you think she should play our, our leading lady? Mm, oh, who else do I like? I mean, I really like the uh, our, our friend from Mad Men who played the... Uh, Secretary oh, in Mad Elizabeth, Men for a long time. Not Elizabeth. Oza. She plays Peggy Olsen or Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, we could have Elizabeth I Moss. I would love that. I think she's perfect for it. She plays mm-hmm. Meek very well. There yeah. we go. Under, understated, underestimated, mm-hmm. and yet she, um, in The Invisible Man, I think, which I brought up earlier, mm-hmm. she is great at fighting back mm-hmm. uh, when cornered. Yes. She's got a ferocity to her. Yes. Yeah, and I like that a lot too. Um, I feel like should Seth MacFarlane be the main CIA agent that she deals with, or should we have another person in there? I think I think he. Uh, we think that he is the heavy mm-hmm. until about uh, two, like three quarters of the way through, mm-hmm. and then we're introduced to uh, his the real heavy who ends up whacking him. I like that. I like that a lot. Who should play the real heavy, do you think? The real heavy mm-hmm. should be played by our friend who um our friend who played who played Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Oh, that is and this is a dark this is dark Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, I was too. gonna say this is a bit bleak for Ryan. He's normally like, ah, oh, you know, I like to have fun. Yeah. Oh, I do yeah. like that as well. Also, I think it's fun for him to be in this because he's Canadian and so he has no real (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't have any skin in the game exactly no real stake it's fine ah I like it a lot is it called obscure or do we do we want to do another title hmm hmm. is it called obscurity yeah ooh obscurity I like um maybe something with blinds hmm and something and is there something we can say about uh like recouping about losses hmm. real estate dirt what about diminishing returns <laughs> <laughs> just diminishing returns because it's because it's not worth it for this lady <laughs> yes uh. yeah Dim turns. Dim turns. Yeah, because everything is obscured, mm-hmm. and we're constant. We're in a maze. Ugh. 
I like it. I like it, Gabe. I think it's going to get greenlit. I think we have a real winner here. Do you want to do a quick lightning round? Tristan, I'd like nothing more than that. Fantastic. So the first word is switch. Oh, switch. switch. Great. Uh, uh, face off. Yes, so it's just face off again. That's your pitch is like, again, face off. <laughs> <laughs> face off two, two face, two off. Um Yeah. I think Oh what, I gotta make a new movie? Yeah, a new movie. Yeah. A little like yeah, a little yeah, yeah. little little baby movie. I can go first if you want to give an example. Sure, please. Um Switch is I think um kind of like what you're saying, face off. Uh but it is a it's a body swapping comedy, a la, you know, uh, Freaky Friday. It's but it's about No, that's too much. Um can't be doing that. Um you know what? I'll just say what I have in my mind. It's about Jim Crow era of the South, and a white guy gets switched with a black guy, and it's. But I guess it's not a comedy, really, because that spinning that as a comedy would be a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> or not up to me to do is what I will say. Sure, sure. Uh, although it is an interesting idea, and I think it, I think it's a good one. Um, Mark Twain did something like that. Uh, back in the day with a book called Put in Head Wilson okay. about two little babies that are switched at birth. And um, the one is very light because they're both light. Mm. Uh, then there's this, it's like almost twins being ra- having radically different experiences, but being the same. Interesting. I will- Human. So it's kind of about that. Like what is racism? What is segregation? Why do we uh, treat people different based on, you know, mm-hmm. not even the color of their skin, but like their arbitrariness of caste. Yeah. Huh. That sounds like a book I need to read now. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, so switch, mm-hmm. man. Switch. I I mean, I'm I'm always a big fan of like a like a gender bending mm-hmm. switch uh, scenario. And um, I think it would be. Uh, ghost. Uh, oh God! <laughs> it can't be ghosts. It has to be two living people, doesn't it? I mean, or, mm, or does it? That's all I have to say. Uh, Just let your mind go wherever, man. Yeah. No, I wanted to have like a like a Civil War Union general coming back and living in the body of his great 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 grandson or something that's perfect that's very and cool being, <laughs> and just being annoyed by modernity <laughs> see i like that a lot <laughs> i like that a lot all right so the next one is pursuit pursuit I think this one is about, it's a rom-com about a tailor and a cobbler that get together. And it's per suit. Like, a suit. Wow. Thank you very much. I I really love that. Uh, Mine is going to be the story of um, the high-stakes world of bar trivia nights in New York City. <laughs> you are talking to a trivia host, so I know all about this. <laughs> and and like how how it could lead to jeopardy or having your own know-it-all 
uh, show on TV. A know-it-all show on TV. I think that's very good. And so, ah, I like that a lot. Yeah. And so you have to make compromises along the way. Where are you willing? There's politics involved. It's like not only do you need to know stuff, um, which would be the purity of trivia, but also cutting, you know, cutting your friends out, uh, finding finding ways to rig the system mm-hmm. in the games. Can I give you a Performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Stop it. There it yeah, is. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. I like that a lot. Ugh. All right. So um, I would say inflate is the next one. So I feel as though inflate to me is about... A small mom and pop uh, water park in like Iowa, and all of a sudden it's uh, it's 2009, and all of a sudden inflation is on the rise, and now all the sort of products that they need to keep their family business afloat are costing far more than they thought and they are struggling with that that's uh, excellent that's what it yeah is. so inflate we have a, a a mexican cartel affiliate who is trying to leave the game and he moves to iowa uh with his family and they start a bouncy castle <laughs> rental enterprise <laughs> okay does it does it happen to be in the same universe as my film that I just made as well? Yeah. <laughs> are all, they are they characters in each other's films? Yeah, they bump into each other at like uh, Starbucks or like Pete's <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> I gotta I gotta tell you, Gabe. Uh, there's no Pete's Coffee in Iowa in 2009. I'm just letting <laughs> you know that there's barely a Starbucks. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I actually really like that idea also of like a shared universe. And then, but I think, so your movie, right, happens. Yeah. And then my movie happens as well. And then there's a third movie with both of them with the solution to their sort of monetary woes. What should that third one be? And what is the solution, do you think? So we've got to deal with um, inflation Mm -hmm. and... uh... I think that there is absolutely some some card sharping happening in this third one. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's like s- something about underground casinos. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the basements of a mega church. I think that's very good. That is very good. The illegal gambling happening in the basements of a mega church in Iowa. Yeah, because they're and the children are really the ones that like spearhead this because they've really gotten into online poker, <laughs> and they think that's the way out. Ugh, that's all very good. Um, I want to say thank you very much for doing this podcast. It's been an absolute delight talking about movies and making movies with you. Um, what do you want people who listen to this podcast to know about you? Tristan Miller, my name is Gabe Pacheco, and if people enjoy uh, my my rants and whimsy and insights, they can go to the Halal Cartels podcast. Great, that is Halal Cartels, and uh, we are on Spotify and 
Apple Pod and Anchor. So, and I, I do that with my co-host Samir Nassim. It's our podcast together. Um, and I also do live comedy in New York City every Wednesday at 10 p.m. at Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And uh, if you come to Pete's earlier, they have a trivia night. <laughs> <laughs> and and then at, right after trivia, stand-up starts at 10 p.m. every Wednesday. That's me. That's you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much, Tristan. This was an absolute blast. My man. Let's watch a movie sometime.